1: Sports Talk Mississippi, Ah. on
0: your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Ah. Friday afternoon edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome aboard, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for spending part of your Friday afternoon with us. Another warm day in the Magnolia State, and uh, I guess the good news is the uh, the chance of rain for big portions of the state of Mississippi has gone down significantly over the weekend, so we may... Made... Yeah, great baseball weather. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Borky, I couldn't help but think about that earlier. Okay, today in in Oxford was 85 and kind of partly cloudy, partly sunny, depending on how you you want to look at it. It was like 82 and mostly cloudy, but the chance of rain was only like 20%, and then Sunday was 72 and mostly sunny.
3: It's kind of what we've been. It
2: it does, doesn't it, Rippy? Uh, Just one day, though. Yeah, well, never mind. Uh, It is good baseball weather. We just don't have any baseball, obviously, coming your way. Ceasefire text line is open, 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. If you would like to be a part of the conversation at Ceasefire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through the COVID 19 crisis. And every day, now more than ever, Mississippi needs to stay connected. And C Spire is working to make that happen. From offering free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home, they're even partnering with UMMC to turn the C Spire Health app into a free virtual triage center for anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19. Learn more at cspire.com slash Cares. First text message up today, I hope you guys crucify Herb Street. (sighs) <sighs> yeah. I don't think Kirk Herbstreet made just a ton of friends. He might have been speaking the truth. I think he was only giving his opinion. But yesterday on one of ESPN Radio's platforms, Kirk Herbstreet basically said he doesn't see the NFL or college football happening in 2020. That's not the news that anybody wants right now. Nobody wants that news right now.
4: No, but it becoming news in and of itself shows a few things. One, that we've got a vacuum, uh, especially sports media, it just, you know, will take anything at this point and run with it because they all still have jobs to do and websites to generate clicks on, and uh, that's an easy one. But it's not like he knows anything more than anybody else. That's just a, a pessimistic guess. And it's, I've seen this a lot of places. Two things are happening. One, there there are a group of people, some of them with platforms, that like being miserable and take times like these and kind of relish in them. But also it could be an element of, hey, if you don't take this seriously, we're losing football, so stay inside. I think it's one of those two things.
0: This is the ESPN way. They, they have one of their talking heads says something, and then the, the, they, turn, they create stories that way. Normally it's something stupid like Skip Bayless saying, hey, LeBron isn't very good. And then the next five hours of their programming is the reports are saying, you know, LeBron did. It, this, is something, this is something similar. Heropity her goes out there. He's not a doctor. He doesn't know anything. He barely knows anything about college football. And then he gets out there and says
3: this, and now everybody's talking about it. He doesn't know oh. what he's talking about. I, I do think we've got, this is, I agree with Haydeb to some degree, but it's also just not, hap- like, it's not just happening at ESPN, like, there's no, it's just like any other thing, that like, somehow the social discourse, whether it's sports politics, whatever, has just kind of become either extreme one side or extreme in the other, and uh the middle doesn't move the needle, so... You have some people saying it's not a big deal, it's like the flu, it's a hoax, and then you have other people saying we're never going to get back to normal again and this is the end, and the people who kind of fall in the middle that seem to have a cautiously optimistic viewpoint, somehow cautious optimism has now turned into, has been equated to a lack of intelligence because it's easy to say, hey, well, this is never going back to normal again, we're never doing anything normal again, because no one's going to call you on it if you're wrong because you get sports back and everyone's happy, but if you're too optimistic, like it, it doesn't, like I guess translate well to the internet where everyone loves to be miserable but no one knows i've said the whole time i have no clue like i but that's i guess not okay to say when you're on like television or have a platform okay just pick i have no idea what's gonna happen
2: yeah hey dad you took a big old swing and like shot across the bow you said he barely even knows college football
0: i'm not a big herb street fan why is that I, i just i feel like Boy, I hate to to turn this around. It's usually SEC bias, but I do believe he has some Big Ten bias. And I, I just think a lot of the times he just he's just uninformed. He knows a lot about the big teams, but not enough about everybody else that he likes to comment on.
2: Do you like him as an analyst, but not? I like I like him better. College as, Game Day.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I like him better when he's calling the game. I think he does fine there as the color commentator. But yeah, I'm, I've never I have never been a huge fan of his as far as being on College Game Day.
3: I like her. I think he's one. a good announcer. I think you should go easy on the spray tan. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: You um, ever tried that before a game? Me spray no, tan? Have, no, I no, have, not, not. Hey, Dad. Uh, hey, Dad. You're not normally in front of the camera until after the game. Just Richard. Yeah,
2: I, I have not. My uh, my wife does the uh, the occasional spray tan thing because she feels you know, like she feels more comfortable with a little bit of color. But she's very careful not to uh, go with the version that makes her look orange, uh, you know, like bright and shiny. Send her to Washington. Uh, yeah. You know, what, to, like, monitor the, the level? I mean, you know, yeah, you get a little bit of color when it's cold outside. I get it. <laughs> to but let him know, hey, Don, just,
4: just take a few sessions off. It'll be okay, you know, like a consultant.
2: This is like a once-a-month thing, though, not a twice-a-week thing. Yeah. Um, but the reason that Jane does it is because she absolutely refuses, abhors the idea of getting in a canning, uh, tanning bed. You know, because of what it does to your skin and you know, damage and whatnot. And I'm not throwing stones if you go to the tanning bed. I just it's just kind of the route that she goes. Well, this took a little bit of a turn, didn't it?
3: Dermatology talk, Mississippi.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, he, okay, uh, a couple of things. Uh, Rippy may be onto something with the whole ESPN creates stories and then reacts to stories and gets like an entire news cycle out of them. There may be something to that. Kirk Herbstreit is generally not hot take guy, though. He's not Skip Bayless. He's not Stephen A. Smith. He's not Max Kellerman or Will Kane or anybody like that. He's usually fairly reasonable. And to me, the reason that this has grabbed so much attention and so much clout is that he is generally considered to be kind of the voice of college football. And in some ways, like the conscience of college football. Whether you agree with that, that he is or should be... No, no, back up. Whether you agree with the fact that he should be that or he deserves to be that is, is immaterial because he kind of is that. He is the most... Recognizable and popular face among college football fans uh, of
4: anybody that's out there in sports media. Rather it be him than Feinbaum. Yeah. I mean, because that, that's who people equate college football to in this region of the country. When you think SEC area media person, everybody points to Feinbaum, and that, that is far more atrocious uh, than Kirk Herbstreet. Street uh, just, I, I don't know. I mean,. I guess he was asked his opinion and shared his opinion, but in some ways, is it irresponsible? What's up? Massive pregnant but, pause, gentlemen. Ev- evidently, it's a very I, tough I'm, question.
2: Borky, you, when you said, I thought there was more coming when you said, is it irresponsible? And
4: I just got up and looked to see if my connection had cut out. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Me too. Yeah, it, I, it I thought there the was more coming. It, I, yeah, I guess I, I ended that abruptly. But it is saying <laughs> that on ESPN, is that somewhat irresponsible? Because now that's all the headlines are. Kirk Herbstreet says yes. football's not coming. And then... People but that's believe. not what he said. Okay, right. that's the irresponsible
3: quote. part. Though is the twisting of it. He's exactly. just giving his opinion. I don't think that's irresponsible. But shouldn't you know that?
4: that here was the here to was
3: assume other people are going to be dumb is not a Kirk, Kirk Kirk Street problem. Yeah.
4: This was the quote.
2: I'll be shocked if we have NFL football this fall. If we have college football, I'll be so surprised if that happens. Then he went on to say, just because, from what I understand, okay, there's a caveat. People that I listen to, you're 12 to 18 months from a vaccine, which is, I mean, that's kind of the aggressive timeline that Dr. Anthony Fauci and others have laid out. He says, I don't know how you let these guys go into locker rooms and let stadiums be filled up and how you can play ball. I just don't know how you can do it with the optics of it. You don't all of a sudden come up with something in July or August. It takes many months in advance to plan a season. Well, the planning should be going on whether or not it's happening. And then he goes on to say, next thing you know, you got a locker room full of guys that are sick, and that's on your watch? I wouldn't want to have that. As much as I hate to say it, I think we're scratching the surface of where this thing's going to go.
4: See that right there.
2: You don't... It's the last sentence that you've got a problem with?
4: No, because it's an opinion, but I see why everybody ran with it today. And why people are upset at him for that because how does he know? How do I know? How do you know? How does any of us know? We will uh we'll take a quick time out and continue the conversation at Sports Talk
2: Mississippi. with you sports talk mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm thanks for being with us on this friday afternoon don't forget that small local businesses are going through some incredibly difficult times right now and there are a few things that each of us can do to support our favorite local businesses during these unsettling times buy gift cards that's one thing local businesses get their cash today and then you'll be able to use it later when life returns to normal order takeout or curbside pickup from your local favorite restaurants and remind everyone the most helpful thing that they can do is buy local. A little compassion right now can go a long way. It's uh, maybe just a couple of the small ways that you can help in a difficult time. So we we're talking out of the gate about Kirk Curb Street. And that's a story that, in the absence of really anything specific to talk about, has kind of dominated the. Uh, I don't know, the sports media landscape today. Cole Kubelik joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Cole, I'm sure you've seen the the comments of Kirk Herbstreet saying that he doesn't – it's a, it's an opinion, it's not fact, but he says he doesn't think or he would be shocked if we play football in the NFL or in college this fall. What was your reaction when you saw that?
5: Uh, Sad. Disappointed, uh, scared, terrified—a lot of things. Because uh, I think a lot of people look at Kirk Herbstreit as the voice of college football, and for good reason. He he, he deserves that title, and he he obviously. Uh, there's going to be people who believe that he knows people, has talked to people, and he actually clarified, "Hey, man, this is just my opinion based on the information that I've sought out on the coronavirus, but." Even to hear him say that he believes it's possible, I think has got to be nerve wracking for all of us, Richard.
2: What would life look like around here without college football in the fall?
5: It'd be tough, wouldn't it? Be very strange. Be very weird. I, I really don't know. Um, I think some of that would depend on if anything else came back um, during that time period. I think it would depend on if anything else was available. But if not, I think it look pretty similar to what it looks like right now, with just not a lot going on and not a lot to talk about. Cole, uh, I'm
2: curious, as uh, not only somebody who's an analyst now, but as a former player, how long do you legitimately need? I mean, we're, we're all assuming that there's not going to be any spring practice. So how much time do teams legitimately need to get ready for a season not even taking into account right now the whole new coaches that are in place. We'll get to that in a second. But just at, at a baseline level, if you've got you know some guys coming back and some new guys, how long does it take to get ready for a season?
5: It's almost an impossible question to answer because under normal circumstances, if you're asking this question, guys have been inside the facility with their strength coach, working out and training around their teammates. And that's probably the most important part of it that none of us are talking about, is that competitive aspect. Uh, I think you need competition to, to be great and to breed greatness. And when I go in the weight room, I'm not going to let the lineman next to me outlift me. When you go out and run sprints, you're not going to let the guy next to you at your position outrun you. I don't care how diligent you are, how hard of a worker you are, None of these young men are putting forth the same kind of effort working out by themselves than they would be with a guy next to them. Uh, spring ball, you're competing for positions. You're competing for playing time. That's taken away. Now you start to begin talking about compressing the amount of practice time, the amount of physicality that you have before season begins, and that makes it even more terrifying, in my opinion. So, I heard Brian Kelly throw out July 1st the other day. And yeah. That even seems compressed to me, to be perfectly honest. If you're talking about, see, if you're talking about July first is when the guys come back to campus because that's when they're going to really start to get in shape. Not in shape, start to get in shape. And a lot of them are just going to flat out be out of shape, bad, like bad, bad out of shape. Not all of them. A lot of kids understand what to do, how to work out. They're still talking to their strength coaches, but this is um, th- this is unprecedented and. At what point could you piece the season together? I don't know when that date is, but let's just say it's six weeks. Is that safe? Because I, I, I don't think that most college football players are ready for a season as it is now anyway because the amount of contact has been stripped down so far. Now you're taking away the portion that you got with that in spring ball, and you're probably going to have to go. these coaches, if, if that happened, Richard, and they came back July 1st and they worked out for a month and a half, they started full practice. Most of these coaches are going to be terrified to go out there and hit and go full speed and go through scrimmages and have middle drill and inside drill and full speed pass rush because they're going to be scared to lose guys because they're yeah. probably going to just think inherently they're going to lose more guys during the season anyway. So, It'd be really interesting to see how they managed it because we, we've never seen anything like it. And, and at that point, I think you realistically could adjust the season somehow, some way. If you, I mean, Championship Saturday can be moved back. We've got that two-week just wasteland period between when Championship Saturday's over and bowl games begin. And even if you wanted to move Championship Saturday back two or three weeks, where it was into the first few rounds of bowl games, none of those teams are playing in those bowl games anyway, so it doesn't matter. Sure. So you can alter the season, I would think. If we're sticking with that and we say July 1st, you add an extra week to fall practice, but you relegate how much they can hit, when they can hit, and you even strip that back a little bit more and hopefully try to add a bye week by extending the season past the original championship Saturday date now. Uh, and even if you wanted to take away a couple of the early season games, I think you find a way to make that work in non-conference games and you just sort of go from there.
2: Let's make this a little more local. This was an incredibly important spring in Oxford because Lane Kiffin is in and he's got to install a new offense and a new defense and try to figure out who his quarterback's going to be. It's an incredibly important spring in Starkville, even though K.J. Costello is not going to be on campus until sometime in the summer at Mississippi State, and now we don't know when that's going to be. But there was an installation of Mike Leach's offense and the new defense. How do those teams that now have to get even more done – make up for that lost time?
5: Cool. Uh, <laughs> I actually think the other side of the state has a more difficult task, but I think both both schools in the state of Mississippi are going to be dealing – they're being dealt a very unfortunate hand right now because it, it's hard enough just to go through a coaching change. I, I think I've told you a couple of times that – the most difficult thing that I've gone through in my life was the coaching change at Auburn. I legitimately feel like it took years off of our lives, the way that they worked us, the way that they pushed us, and the things that we did, just that weeding out period of time that Tuberville had, trying to get guys out so we could open up scholarships and trying to make us tougher, whatever it was. But, I mean, it was, it was rough. And um, you know, mentally and emotionally, it's hard on kids. And then you're trying to install a new system. You're trying to find out which guys can help you play in different places. And that's not easy. On the flip side of that, you look over in Starkville and you got a complete, like a culture shock of a system change. And I think people, some people will say, well, he only runs 8, 10, 12 plays. All right, that's great. You still got to know where to line up. You still have to know what your position's called. You still have to know the name of the plays. You still have to know what splits the offensive line is going to take, what depth you're going to take on certain sets. You're going to know where guys are going to be lined up in different motions and different play action reads and things of that nature. So, None of that nonverbal communication is going to be there through being able to throw all spring and most of the summer. So that's going to be, you're going to put you behind there. And the biggest factor that I think hurts Mississippi State with everything that we're dealing with right now is the the head start on scouting that other SEC teams are getting. Because there are guys who have already scouted Mississippi State, Mike Leach, Washington State. They've already scouted it. And the advantage that you have at Old Miss, the advantage that you have in Fayetteville is, those will be more or either have been more combination-fed as far as what their offenses were in the past or what they will be now, as opposed to Mike Leach is going to do what Mike Leach does. Well, they got all the time in the world right now, and they're looking at all their opponents. And that was one that they were going to have to probably find a way to spend extra time on and still not have everything done that they needed to, and that will not be an issue now. So I think it's a bit of a double whammy for Mississippi State, to be honest with you, because the thing, everything they do offensively is going to be so different and take that much more time to get comfortable in. And now all these schools are going to have that much more time, really all the time, to be able to scout what they do and what they're going to be. How are you guys
2: hanging in at home? Two two kids right now, number three on the way, and uh, pretty pretty public Instagram persona. We've only got thirty seconds or so left. You, you hanging in there?
5: Yeah, we're, we're having fun. I, I'm making the most of it. It's actually. I understand this is a very difficult time. I'm not trying to make light of it, but for me and my family, a lot of it has been really positive. Being able to spend time with them, be around them, wake up with them, not leave them on the that it's been really cool. Um, but I, I understand it's not that easy for a lot of people, and, and I hate it for those that it's not. Um, and that last part that you mentioned, number three on the way, that, that, that's been a little bit stressful and, and continues to be and probably will be up until everything is said and done.
2: Yeah, well, we wish you all the best. And I, I, I certainly understand where you're coming from. Uh, as somebody who works on a lot of weekends, it's like, oh, this is what it's like to be a dad on the weekend. This is, this yep. is kind of cool. I don't want to do this forever. Uh, we, we've still got bills that we got to pay, but uh, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, if you're looking for a glass half-full piece of it, maybe that's it.
5: Cole, always enjoy Richard, our visits. Get, Thanks for you your gotta, time. you got to get your you, – Richard, you got to get your listeners to go on Twitter and vote for me over Tom Hart on this Twitter poll we got going. Uh, this, oh. is, this is ridiculous that – we can have a non-football guy represent SEC personalities in this poll, uh, in this bracket that's <laughs> happening. And Tom Hart has summoned Big Blue Nation, you know, the mayor of Lexington, Mr. Lexington, as he calls himself, has summoned the Kentucky fan base. So I think it's only fair that all other SEC fan bases find me on Twitter, at I like, and find the poll, it's at Archie Shea, tweeted it out. and And just don't vote for Tom Hart. I'm not asking you to vote for me, I'm just asking you don't vote for Tom Hart. There you go. We'll uh, we'll direct
2: people to your Twitter account after the timeout. Thanks, Cole. There you go. Thanks. I've with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, yeah. streaming at supertalk.fm. FM. Thanks for being with us. Cole Kubelik wanted to uh, vote. Uh, wanted you to vote for him. So uh, Archie Shea, who was. Uh, Cole's producer, when he was hosting a uh, morning show in Huntsville, uh, put out an SEC Network personalities poll. And uh, I guess they've gotten to the uh, to the point where it's Cole Kublick matched up with Tom Hart, and uh, Cole was lobbying for votes there. So that's a uh,
3: personalities poll. That's the first I've ever heard of something like that. What do you mean? <laughs> I've just never seen a bracket-style tournament of internet personalities before. <laughs> that is in reinventing the wheel.
2: <sighs> I think everybody's just desperately looking for content,
3: trying Better to have wins.
2: some fun with it. Who, who do you think wins? Uh, is it Tom or Cole? Mm. Should be Cole. No disrespect to Tom, but come on now. Cole, 50, Cole is winning. 50.
0: So it's close.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at uh, 3,793 votes, 50 50 Cole and Tom.
4: Huh. Although Tom was one half of the uh, Ron Burgundy Jeremy mishap, so that should give him some points. Yeah. We
3: should do a bracket style tournament of our favorite types of bracket style tournaments. <laughs> hmm. Bracketception. I like it.
2: Hey, Dad, you did a, uh, a Mississippi State all-time players bracket-style tournament. Is that over,
0: buddy? It just—it's just getting started. I got months to fill here. I'm still no. It hasn't finished.
2: What are you doing? Like two-day voting windows per.
0: <laughs> yes,
2: quarter of a bracket.
0: So far, we've only had four matchups complete. We got four more to be complete on Sunday. I'm trying to drag. I got to drag this out, my friend. Unless, unless somebody's going to snap their fingers and we're all going to be better. i got content to have.
4: Just yeah. divert and go into like Ozark breakdown. Uh, it's out today, <laughs> I, by I the way. I don't watch
0: Ozark. I need to watch that. Anyways. Oh, man,
4: you'd enjoy the heck out L- of it. Lord
0: knows I have time to do it.
4: Yeah, for real.
0: So no, we've only done four. We, the only four people who have advanced are Dak Prescott, Fred Smoot, Eric Dampier, and Chad Bumpus.
4: Is it bad that I've been voting for the obvious not choice just to mess with the poll a little bit?
0: I I, th- I figured there would be some of
4: that too. <laughs> like when was I, it against Dak, I, I voted for them just because. I said
0: I said on the air. I said uh, on the podcast that I had supreme executive authority, and should Dak Prescott, let's say the (laughs) Ole Miss fans had just gotten hold of that bracket and decided to vote against Dak, he was still going to advance. I I, I had the final say. So you rigged a Democratic election? It's never happened before either. Call it a coup d'etat. Call it what you will.
2: It's a Chicago-style
0: bracket. That's right. They send one of those to the hospital, send one of to the morgue.
2: Those shady-style Chicago elections. Yeah. Um, all right, so we started out by talking about Kirk Herbstreit and kind of his thoughts on the college football season and the NFL season going forward. What did you think of Cole and kind of his reaction to uh, to what was said?
4: It's great perspective, that's for sure, from somebody who's been there to, to tell yeah. you exactly how much this is hurting the uh, the start of a season. Especially like, for teams that need increased attention to their s c programs, you know? Like, the, the two coaching staffs changed and bring in new strength and conditioning coaches. Their style, the way they do things, is completely different. Have they had enough time? And kids aren't going to do everything they were if they were together anyway, but how do you know your team's going to be in the kind of shape that you need them to be when you come back four weeks before the season starts? All of it's messed up.
0: Yeah, you can't even, you know, you can't even go to the gym. You know, you're just trying to – there was an interesting article on uh, on The Athletic that Andy Staples and Nicole Albrecht worked on that, where they showed where strength coaches are trying to send uh, workout ideas via Instagram and, and social media to their players and tell them this is what you can do with what you have around the house and stuff like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's just so – it's so different. It would be one thing if you say, look, we can't get in there and have meetings, although the SEC – let me – Get the the correct uh, wording for this. The SEC did reach an agreement to allow some virtual uh, meetings starting next week. Here, uh, coaches That's and players a big have, deal. By the way, they can have instruction and film review using FaceTime or apps. It's limited to two mandatory hours a week starting on Monday. It's reported so
2: by twenty four seven sports. I guess you do two one hour film
4: sessions. Or I you guess, just break yeah. the rules like you do for everything. Well, else.
0: well, no, it says two limit limited to two mandatory hours. It's going to be like uh, you know voluntary uh, workouts for the NFL. Hey, we're having our two mandatory, and then we've got three other meetings that you know you can come or go from. But the people who don't show up will probably be the people who aren't playing.
4: We know you literally have nothing else to do. Exactly. So.
2: W- wouldn't you think that? I mean, obviously you're going to have position group meetings and, and those are going to be your mandatory your hours. You'll make more time available with an expectation that you probably should be here. Like the whole, uh, let's be real, you're not really doing anything else. You probably should be here uh, and, and people will show up. But then beyond that, wouldn't you think that, you know, the quarterback position in particular, you, you got either an offensive coordinator or a quarterback coach. And spending a lot of time one-on-one with that particular position player.
4: Oh, without a doubt. And, and,
0: and,
2: and, yeah. and frankly, uh, you've probably heard this story about Peyton Manning before. Remember when he was a uh, was a freshman at Tennessee? There's this story of you know he was watching film insatiably, and you had Peyton Manning and was it Brandon Stewart? Who was the other freshman that was highly recruited that was in that that class?
0: But then you also pulling a name out of the hat, Richard Cross. Wow!
2: Thank you, thank you. You also had, um, okay. Who was the starter going into that year?
0: Was it Uh, Jerry Colquitt?
2: Jerry Colquitt was the starter, Mm -hmm. and then the first baseman baseball player was the backup. um, Todd Helton. Todd Helton was the backup. Yeah. And both of those guys got hurt, and it was in that game at uh, – I think it was at UCLA at the Rose Bowl where Peyton Manning came in and ended up playing a good bit and then ultimately ended up the starting job. But backing up a little bit before that, yeah, you know, he's trying to watch film and would like sneak around and, and leave the facility. So, so like, okay, they're all watching film as a group, and then he leaves and like hides out in a hallway in the corner to make sure that everybody else is gone – and then would sneak back in so that he could watch extra film on his own without Brandon Stewart getting the same film information or Todd Helton getting the same film information. So anyway, the the point I was making in all that was if you're Matt Corral or Grant Tisdale or John Rice Plumlee, aren't you maybe trying to figure out a way to separate yourself a little bit and reaching out to a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator or maybe to Lane Kiffin directly himself and saying – Hey, hey, I got I got some questions. Can can we walk through this stuff together?
4: Up to the point. See, Lane Kiffin strikes me as the kind of guy that would get annoyed by too much of that. Though you got to find the balance. Don't interrupt his well, okay. fishing. Maybe, time.
2: It's Maybe it's with Levy. Maybe it's with Levy and not Lane
4: Kiffin. Yeah, whatever. Uh, no, your point's valid. I was just making a bad joke. Uh, how do you separate yourself if you're one of those three guys right now? Uh, that's a really good question. I, uh, <laughs> I mean. You kiss, be, be, you know be what? Be the most attentive student?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Put an apple on his desk.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. And then, does it feel like a lost cause in terms of trying to win favor with Mike Leach if you're a, uh, a quarterback?
0: Well, Knowing I mean, that you know. KJ
2: Costello coming in? <laughs>
0: You know he's coming in, but he's only here for a year. You'd like, you know, if you're Garrett Schrader or Will Rogers or even Jalen Maynor, or Keeton Thompson, maybe you'd like to have that job next season. It can't hurt to,
3: to Curry favor. Yeah. You're also only an injury away, as they say. That's true.
2: As they say, yes.
3: I mean, Ole Miss hasn't good. made it through without a quarterback injury in how many seasons now? I guess 2018 they did. No, they didn't. The Egg Bowl, Matt Corral. Yeah. So it would have been 2015, 15. right? The last time they made yep. it through a season with the same quarterback all the way through. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so 2015 was Bo Wallace all the way through.
4: Chad,
3: Kelly. No, Chad, Chad Kelly.
2: Kelly. I'm sorry, Chad. Yes, okay. So 2014 was Bo Wallace all the way through,
4: and he probably oh, should have not, missed some yeah. games, but he played. He through missed them. part
3: of a game. <laughs> Buchanan came in in that rainy game at Arkansas. That was a big day for the MAIS. But, yes, aside from that, 2015.
4: Wasn't that the day that they determined that they needed to go get somebody like Chad Kelly? That was the
2: day that it, with, with all due respect to the quarterbacks on the roster at the time, that was the day that it became abundantly clear you had to go get Chad Kelly.
3: To be fair, though, down 20 points in the rain on the road is not exactly an ideal start for your first game action.
2: Ideal or not, it became abundantly clear on that day that you had to go get Chad Kelly. Yeah. Then I go yep. There there was there was nothing redeeming about the play of that position in that game. Nothing. Sports Talk Mississippi, take a timeout. Wrap up the first hour with you after this.
1: Snow. What
2: are you guys going to do this weekend? Shuffling his is
3: Quarantine.
2: (laughs) Um, I realize you're going to quarantine. I'm (laughs) in the process of quarantining. Can do anything to entertain yourself.
4: Um, Well, Ozark tonight—that's that's uh, that's the hot date. My wife and I have is we're probably going to watch as much as season three as humanly possible, Uh, and then. Okay, I got a question about that.
2: Knowing that we have an extended period here of which we can't really do anything, why would you watch the entire? season three why wouldn't you just knock out a couple of episodes and then extend that enjoyment for uh for longer
3: it's called binge watching ever heard of it
2: yes i have thank you genius and yet my premise remains the same i understand the idea behind binge watching but we're in a little bit of uh uncharted times aren't
4: we yeah but the quest that like then what if we watch just episode one tonight then what you know what i mean what else is yeah. there? No, I get you. So that's that's why. And, I mean, we only have limited TV time anyway with a active five-month-old at the house now. Uh, so we've, we've got to take advantage when we can. And then the rest of the weekend, I'm going to smoke a um, a whole chicken uh, on a bed of herbs, like a light smoked chicken. It'll be really good. And I'm going to do an insane amount of yard work. All this. The, the rain for, what was it? Two and a half months straight, compounded with three weeks of 70 degree weather and sunny, has caused everything to overgrow a little bit. So I will remain occupied all weekend.
2: Didn't you tell us you did yard work all last weekend, also? What do you have left to do? Man, the yard's
4: not that big. It, no, but just the overgrowth. If I. Th- that yard, other than getting a basic grass cut, had not been touched in at least a decade. There were vines. So, on the right side of my backyard fence, there is eight trees of different kinds, too. And one of them is a crepe myrtle that is wrapped around a different kind of tree. So, two trees in one. Seriously. That lined the fence. There was a network of vines that started at the base of one of the trees. And the, the vine that was coming up out of the ground was five and a half inches across. I measured it. And it went up the tree, wrapped around the tree, and connected all of them together. All of them. So I had to take a pole saw and separate the trees, the vines from the trees, and then individually pull the vines out of the trees. And I saved them all, which is remarkable considering how covered and like they were completely tilted over uh, like the tops were touching the ground, basically. Uh, So just that kind of neglect, there's so much overgrowth and so many trees I want to just remove from the yard because it's all been overgrown. So I think it's almost like a never-ending project. Sounds to me like you need a chainsaw. Well, I, I had to reach up high enough to get in the middle of these trees. they're tall trees. It's, and okay, it was you need one, a pole saw then. That's what, I, that's what I used.
2: But did you use the manual one or like a...
4: Oh, a gas-powered one. Okay. There's no way. I, I was looking. I, I went to the hardware store and I was looking at the regular pole saws and I read the instructions on how to use it. And I thought, I want to keep my shoulder. So I just went and, and got the gas one. Yeah, good, good plan.
2: You you should have gotten Rippy to give you a tutorial on using a gas powered pole saw.
3: I've never used a pole. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think I've used an electric one.
2: That's why I said gas powered. Electric is one that you plug in. Rippy. Okay,
3: I've are. never used a gas powered pole saw. We we
2: should uh, we should let you have that experience. That is a that is a great upper body workout for a uh, a muscle bound fellow like you, Rippy.
3: One, it's not really a let-you-have type of thing, and two, no thank you.
2: <laughs> hey, Dan, what are you going to do this weekend?
0: Yeah, I might cook out this weekend. I, I was thinking about that earlier today. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'll, I'll let inspiration strike, but I'll probably go hang out outside around the grill today, this weekend. Sounds
2: like a good plan.
0: Yeah. It's like a good plan. It's like
2: I, I feel like I should get creative on the grill, Borky, but it's like it's just so easy to go back and do, uh-huh. you know either fish or steaks or burgers or whatever
4: yeah i i like to experiment but then i'm always afraid i'm going to screw it up like i tried to do ribs in a, in a just a different way than how i usually do it last week or two weeks ago and i overcooked them and they were terrible and so I, i'm with you like i usually i like to experiment but i always screw it up and so i just stick with what i know but i think my wife's getting bored with uh ribs or uh, boston butt so i've got to do something else our landscaper friend here says, uh, says
2: Steward Lawnscapes, he says, pole saws are awesome until you have to pick up all the limbs. I uh, I agree with, with that. Scott and Clinton, this is a great idea. A bracket of yard tools that Rippy has not used. <laughs> Rippy, you wanted a more creative bracket. That's a pretty good one, isn't it?
3: You could probably get 64 teams in that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we would just be getting started at 64, I think. Did you have to mow the grass as a kid?
3: No, I had uh, take out the trash and baseboards guy was my role. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take a quick timeout. Be back 4 o'clock hours next. Covered with a Friday afternoon with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Got the whole crew. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. I'm Richard Cross. I was thinking about something. So you've seen the, um, the everybody pull together and do your part mantra, alive and well, and that's fantastic, right? I mean, uh, our, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans have ceased their operations in making jeans right now. And they are instead making masks, surgical masks, and they're going to send those out, kind of doing their part. And it's a really, really cool thing. You've seen other companies do that. Fanatics, which is the company now that manufactures uh, Major League Baseball uniforms. And they had an announcement where, uh, in a partnership with Major League Baseball, MLB had said, yeah, that's cool, stop operations on baseball uniforms. Let's make these things. And so you get like, a bunch of pinstripe masks and gowns. And then the coolest thing that I've seen, there was a doctor that tweeted, and, you know, you guys that are smarter than I am understand that. The idea behind the 3D printer, and I've seen one in action, still just boggles my mind. But there was a doctor that was sending out some coding language that said, Hey, if you've got a 3D printer or access to it, you can build respirator masks or, or, or print them or whatever. And I thought, that is really, really cool. Hey, Borky, you remember a few years ago, we did the, um, Ceasefire had the, uh, the technology expo that was in, uh, in downtown Jackson. And there was a 3D printer that made like this chocolate dessert.
4: I don't remember that. I was uh, here in the studio.
2: Well, but you remember the event and you remember us talking about it. No. No. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, so I've have, have seen it. I still don't entirely understand the technology behind a 3D printer and how you can make food with it or how you can, you know, I, when I hear printer, I'm thinking, okay, I'll put the paper in and put the toner in and we're, you know, good. My question
4: are we going to end up with too many masks? Well, didn't they, I mean, they're finding all these reserves, which nobody's provided at least one that I've seen, an explanation for why. But like when the attorney general at one of these press briefings said that they're going to start prosecuting uh, supply hoarders, like the next day there was a found stash of like 30 million face masks or something crazy like that. Why does that reserve exist? Who's hoarding that? Doomsday preppers.
3: Correct. To some degree.
2: Um and they're, they're two different type of masks, right? They're the N ninety five respirator masks, which you've got like the little respirator deal in the mask and then Not thirty there's... million,
4: thirty thousand, sorry. Very different numbers, but still.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say
4: that's a uh, that's it was a, a church. A big difference. A church. It was a church. Thirty thousand N ninety five masks in fifteen hundred bottles of hand cleaner at Grace Community Church.
3: Isn't that indicative of just kind of how nuts people go? Because what in the world are you, like, how is, like if there really were, like, doomsday scenarios, you need to hoard that stuff, how is hand sanitizer going to save you at that point?
2: Mm. Yeah, I don't know the answer to
4: that question.
3: I mean, it does have alcohol in it. If you really got desperate, you could drink it. But, like, aside from that, I don't really see the purpose of having that much of it.
4: This is so sketchy. I'm reading it from the Times Sentinel that they were initially going to send them to Iraq when ISIS was invading Iraq, but they couldn't get the shipment out there. So, and then, or instead, they decided they wanted to send them to Haiti, but the shipment couldn't take place, so they just kept them. That doesn't add up. Well, you can get things to Haiti if you want to.
2: I don't know. Wasn't there some civil war stuff happening in Haiti? Like the conditions were. uh, Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know. We uh, we digress. Uh, Hugh Mina is going to join us coming up in a little while. We'll talk with him a little bit about what Ceasefire is doing and how they are leveraging technology to help with uh, COVID nineteen battling that in uh, in Mississippi. The uh, the Ceasefire Health app is actually kind of a, a fascinating story. That's something that has been in the works for. A couple of years and kind of in production and working through all the kinks of it. And uh, only, I don't know, in the last six months or so have they really rolled that app out uh, and started getting some traction with it. And now it has become uh, incredibly important in the COVID-19 testing and triage piece of the process here in Mississippi. So we'll talk some with Hugh uh, about that uh, coming up a little bit later this hour. Yesterday we played a a, a ton of kind of classic sports clips for you. Uh, We did uh, some Major League Baseball stuff, as yesterday was to be Major League Baseball's opening day. Uh, We played some Ole Miss stuff, some Mississippi State stuff, and we had a bunch of clips, files that were still in the hopper, Borky, and uh, we'll kind of work some of these in throughout the uh, the course of the show uh, this afternoon. I think we can never get enough keith jackson he was the voice of college football yes you think about whoa nelly and alabama and you know the all all the stuff that goes along with that whatever it is that you like you get a little bit of all of that here former play-by-play announcer for pretty much everything under the sun yes he is thought of for college football but he did ABC's Wide World of Sports, and he did some basketball along the way, and he did uh, Olympic stuff along the way. Just unbelievably talented. This is Keith Jackson.
1: The hyperbole is done. Now we can finally play the game. Look at that. into the end zone and it is incomplete. Oh, the phone! everybody. There's a penalty flag thrown and I think it's against Miami. The royalty of college football is in assembly at the Rose Bowl 2006. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. Texas has defeated Southern California to win the national championship of college football. Oh,
2: a phone, there's a flag. I could listen to that for hours. Just listen to it. Borky, you remember how much of Keith Jackson doing college football?
4: Not all that much, to tell you the truth. I, I vividly remember that Texas-Southern Cal game, the, the last part of that clip there. I remember that game very much. I was 14, so I've really... I'm able to remember what I saw in the context of everything, but not much before that. Rippy, you're probably not at all, right?
3: No, I remember that Texas-USC uh, game, but that's probably my only actual vivid memory of Keith Jackson.
2: Different story for you, Mr. Haydad. Is that correct?
0: Very, very much so. To me, the the voices of college football for me if you say who 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 do you put as that that title keith jackson and ron franklin those are the two best college football announcers of all time in my opinion and and for me for keith jackson the the call that, that I wish it was in there wasn't is cordell stewart's hail mary against michigan fantastic
2: it was it was absolutely fantastic so growing up here in, in oxford i can't you know, we're, so we were talking about big games and heartbreaking moments that, that kind of stood out. I mentioned the build-up to, you know, obviously, 2014 Ole Miss-Alabama, the 2003 Ole Miss-LSU game. But if you want to rewind, like way back, the build-up in 1993 to Ole Miss-Alabama, it was early in the season, that game was on ABC – it was the middle of the afternoon national game of the week on ABC with Keith Jackson, Bob Greasy, and Lynn Swan. And, I mean, if you rewind to 1993, that was a huge deal to be in that time slot. I mean, that was a time slot that was reserved for Alabama, for Michigan for Ohio State, for Southern Cal, you know, for for, for Florida State, for Miami at that time, the, the, all the Blue Bloods. And here you have Ole Miss who had occasionally played there, but not at home. The stadium at the time seated 42,500. The attendance for that game was 43,500. And I'll never forget, they come on the air and they go on camera and right as they're going on camera, they show the shot of Ole Miss running onto the field, and the cannon goes off, boom, and Bob Greasy jumps. <laughs> he, he just kind of, like, jumps right where he's standing. They come on the air, and Keith Jackson says, and they know how in Oxford, Mississippi. And that's when Bob Greasy jumps. He goes, never been here before, have you? <laughs> never been here, partner. There, there's some other calls from that game. Uh, Ole Miss scored first in the game. They go to a freeze frame, going to the break, and he goes, so how do you do the sweet nectar of a lead? The great Keith Jackson. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us as we roll into the weekend. Um. Major League Baseball, there there was some news that kind of came out last night, I guess as we were kind of finishing the show up today. Major League Baseball and the Players Association have agreed to terms, and it really sounds like they're not confident that they're going to play a full season. Rippy, we talked some about this yesterday, about what an abbreviated season might look like. There is a tentative agreement that was put into place last night on the key economic issues in hopes of salvaging the majority of the 162-game season, but they've kind of gotten to the point where they realize that's just not likely, and the two sides have agreed that they would like to play at least 100 games.
3: That was kind of the number I was thinking of as well over the last couple of days. If you can get around 100, I think we were talking about yesterday, maybe try for 120. 100 seems a little more realistic, which is still a lot of games. I mean, that's, what, two, not a math guy here, but a little over two-thirds of the season. Not quite two-thirds, I guess, a little over half.
2: Yeah, you alluded to this yesterday. The two sides would like to play at least 100 games with the hopes of playing as many as possible, scheduling regular season games through October, and including weekly doubleheaders. They've also discussed the idea of expanding the current playoff format to help offset the loss of income while acknowledging that if cold weather becomes an issue in November, they could move the World Series and playoff series from cold weather cities to neutral sites. How would that be received?
3: I don't... I mean, I, I don't know how it would be received, but I would think that most rational people, particularly people who enjoy baseball at that point, would understand the grand plan and if you have to have a neutral site World Series. So be it, it's a necessity. I don't think it's something they would want to do on their own, but, like, you kind of got to do what you got to do at this point. So I don't think it would. there would be any, like, outrage about it. I mean, what, are you going to play late November in Boston or New York or whatever when it's, like, 30?
4: Yeah. They're not the That's only a, ones that are considering that. There was a story last night that said the NBA is looking at Vegas uh, for a potential site to host the finals.
3: Really? Unless they play in the Tad Pad, though, they don't have to worry about snow.
4: <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, because if they have to go a full season without fans, they would bring both teams to one centralized location. And they've already got the arena, so...
3: It would probably depend on the teams too, right? Because I was reading something earlier in the week about how the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are obviously expected to go deep in the playoffs. That would actually run into the Democratic Convention, which I believe is in Milwaukee this summer. So that's been like a big issue because they're obviously. How do you not know where the Democratic Convention is? <laughs> protesting. Wait,
2: it. The, wait, the Milwaukee Brewers.
3: No, the Bucks. Are we talking if you about resume baseball? the NBA season, they would use their arena. Apparently their arena would oh, be used.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you switched back to basketball on me. I, I, I'm sorry. I was like, the Milwaukee Bucks? We're talking about baseball. <laughs> okay. Wait, no.
3: Borky you. switched back to basketball.
2: Yeah, I, I
4: was just throwing an anecdote in there.
2: Okay, yeah. Fiserv uh, Forum or Arena or whatever it is that it's called is where they are hosting the Democratic National Convention. That is correct. That's a, like a brand-new building. Isn't it? Didn't it just open this year? Yeah, it looks Last amazing. Year. Yeah. Um, would – I don't know if Major League Baseball is into gotcha, but if the Houston Astros don't make the World Series
0: – I was thinking that.
2: Would you stick the World Series in <laughs> Minute Maid? Just as a nah, – Nah, 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 We gotcha. Just I guess what are the well, I was just gonna say what what are the potential sites, right? I mean you could play it at Dodger Stadium if you didn't want to do a dome. Uh you could play it in San Diego, although that park is a little quirky. I'm not I don't know if that's what they would want. Uh you could play it in Phoenix at Chase Field, if that's still the name of it. Retractable roof there. You could go to Houston, uh
4: I mean, the new Rangers it, Park is open air, but also
3: retractable roof, right? So is Miami and Houston.
2: Miami and Houston. Milwaukee the is retractable roof. Toronto is a retractable roof. I was going to say that, that. if I mean, if, if Tampa Bay were to get to the World Series, can they just host games at home? I mean, you'd have to play all the games at a neutral site, right? You couldn't You couldn't let one team have home games and another team, because it's snowing outside, have their home games at a neutral site. Anyway. One of the big issues in kind of the back and forth between Major League Baseball and the Players Association is the issue of service time. So – Getting a year of service time in the big leagues is a is a big deal and you've got to play a certain percentage of the the team's games to be credited with a full year of service time and it matters for you know pensions and retirement stuff but it also matters toward contracts and bonuses and all of, of those kinds of things that are out there as well
3: getting and, through arbitration and becoming a free agent
2: yeah yeah I mean you're trying to get to the spot where you can go get paid again. And it is a particularly big deal for some of the players that were outstanding last year. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would be an example. It was brought up late. Not not late late, but after, you know, April whatever April 30th or April first, whatever the time is where you can bring somebody up and they can't get a full year of service time. So if they don't have a full season, then they will grant the service time that you got a year ago again this year. And so instead of getting his first full year of service time this year, a guy like Vlad Guerrero Jr. will get not. He won't get the service time again this season, and that's very league-friendly as opposed to player-friendly. Did I describe that right, Borky, or, uh, Rippy?
3: Yeah. But you see it all. You see service time manipulation mostly manifest itself in when guys get up. Like with the like Chris Bryant was kind of a poster child for it. The Reds have a, have a guy named Nick Senzel that was uh kind of in the crosshairs of this as well. as they'll obviously former not Tennessee bring player. them up. What'd you say?
2: He was a former Tennessee player.
3: Correct. And they'll like not bring them up past so they can keep them under team control for another year. It's so, like if you're like to the end of April. It, the diff, the date is different every year. But it, they're basically manipulating it. He's definitely ready to be with the big club on opening day, but is not so they can have another year of team control. So they'll play a couple weeks in AAA.
2: So do you get a percentage, or is it you either get a full year of service time or you don't?
3: I'm, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head, but I imagine if it's a drop-dead date and teams are manipulating to bring it up after the drop-dead date, then you either you get it or you don't. Yeah.
2: That, uh, I suppose that would make sense. They're also saying baseball teams will likely begin uh, the season, maybe first month of the year, with an expanded roster. So instead of 26 on the roster, uh, you could uh, could very well have 30 on the, uh, the roster. So that's kind of a, a baseball thing that's going on right now. Also, uh, the U.S. Open is postponed. It was to be played at Winged Foot out on Long Island in New York. It's become the third golf major Uh, to be postponed as a result of coronavirus sources with knowledge of the usga's plans told the new york post on thursday night that winged foot has been informed the tournament will not take place in june as scheduled the plan is for the tournament to remain at winged foot but to be played later in the summer the last time the u.s open was not played at all was 1945 and that was because of world war ii it was scheduled to be played June 18th through the 21st at Mamoranet Club. or I'm sorry, at the Mamoranet Club on Long Island. It joins the Masters and the PGA in being delayed. The Masters would have been played in two weeks. We would be on Masters Friday two weeks from today. It's been rumored as October... The PGA, which was set for May 14th through the 17th at Harding Park in San Francisco, has been postponed, and no new date has been announced, although, again, has been rumored that it would be later in the summer, and we'll see. We we kind of talked about this, it was either yesterday or maybe on Wednesday, you know, will all four golf majors be played this year? Sounds like they want to try.
4: This really could, if everything settles down, in the near future, be the greatest season of sports ever. You'd have the NBA Finals in August, you'd have college football, the Kentucky Derby, and U.S. Open in September, the Masters in October, the end of Major League Baseball playoffs in November, the World Series potentially with bowl games in December, and the NFL being in season through all of that? Yes, sir.
2: Yeah, I'd sign up for that. I mean... I would sign up for it to be the way it normally is first, but we don't get normal right now. And so, yeah, I mean, how about that run from September 1 through February 28th or something like that? Hugh Mina will join us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. We'll be right back.
4: Only time will tell.
2: Friday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and online at supertalk.fm. Hugh Mina joins us right now. He is president and CEO of C Spire, Mississippi company in business for well over 20 years now, and uh, a company that has uh, kind of been at the forefront of trying to battle coronavirus in the state of Mississippi, although not from a medical standpoint per se, it's more from a uh, technological standpoint. Hugh, always uh, enjoy our visits. How are you, my friend? great richard how about you doing do a little bit uh doing well uh, i guess considering you know it's kind of interesting you, you look at this the, the sports world from our perspective has been turned completely upside down the business world has been turned upside down the health world has been uh, turned upside down this is just a crazy time that we're all kind of just having to do our best to get through
1: yeah well, I'm, you know, we've been very busy here, as I think you've probably seen, and had a lot going on in, on the business side and in supporting health. But I'm going to provide you some advice on the sports world, because I know you're looking for that right now, I'm sure. And that uh, a couple, few marches ago, and is uh, Riffy with you all today? He is. He knows my son, Wade. We were over there at Eagle Lake Fishing. And we saw this we it was right during the middle of March madness and so we stopped at this place it had sports grill on the sign so we said, oh great we can walk, we can, you know between our fishing uh, outings here we can stop in watch some of the uh, basketball and then go back out to the lake so we go in and they didn't have ESPN they didn't have TNT they didn't have true TV or any of that stuff and we were going how can this be a sports grill?" And finally, Wade looked up and said, y'all got any hunting channels? They had 14 hunting channels and eight fishing channels. <laughs> so that might be the, uh, that could be an answer for y'all. Y'all could kind of branch off and do some of that during this time. Well, well, I, saw, I, I, I think re- I saw on Twitter where you were you taking your kids fishing the other day.
2: I, I have done that a couple of times. My uh, my son, who is, uh, Naya, how old is he? He's seven he is in love with it and my daughter's just kind of along for the ride she'll go along for whatever so we've done some of that i tell you the other thing is the turkey hunters have been out in mass oh i bet yes Set all, time. All, sure. all over the place i guess one sports related thing uh as it pertains to ceasefire in particular is we uh disappointingly uh, won't have the the ferris trophy presentation this year will we
1: that's right we you know we we the decision actually the hall of fame made that decision we supported this uh was just really no way to do it with a limited baseball season that we had this year so that's, that's unfortunate as well just a lot of a lot of things like that as it was tough seeing opening day of mlb season come and go and not being able to participate in that and of course uh college baseball is so much fun this time of year
2: yeah, no no question. Hugh, you and I we had lunch, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, and you were telling me about the C Spire health app and the fact that it was uh, this was coming and it was not an easy process. I know there were some hurdles and some red tape that you had to go through along the way, but it did get developed and i don't know six months maybe a little bit longer or so ago it rolled out and and you guys were starting to have some success with that starting to gain some traction with it it's something that we've talked about a lot on this show and now (laughs) all of a sudden it's like this thing kind of gets called into service and if i'm using a bad sports analogy it's like it just got called up to the big leagues and said we need you to play and we need you to perform at a high level
1: well, that's a, that's a good way to describe it because it's about what happened. We, you know, as you know, we rolled it out in the fall and it was doing a nice job and of course with you know your help and others uh we had promoted it pretty heavily in January and had significant success in January. So it was doing what we had uh wanted it to do. And then this uh coronavirus started uh creeping into our state, and uh the folks at ummc and and our team got together and uh and really, at the kind of the nudging of President Trump about ten days ago, he started talking about uh the value of telehealth because telehealth is until now has been kind of a, just a niche service and he started talking about how valuable telehealth can be in in today and i, I you know I don't know if that that spurred us along or UMMC along, but the, the dam kind of broke at that point, and we were able to uh, spin this thing up in a way, and really, and over, I don't know if overhaul is the right word, but there were adjustments that were made to it to where it is now serving as a triage app for COVID-19 here in the state of Mississippi. Where uh, we people can go uh, to uh, uh, the App Store or Google Play Store and download the app, and then utilize it for um, if they, you know, if they are not feeling well and they uh, they're concerned that they might have coronavirus, they can talk to a, a video chat with a clinician at UMMC, and then if uh, the clinician feels like they may be suffering from coronavirus they're routed to the fairgrounds and other uh, uh and there is soon to be in areas uh, other pop-up sites around the state right. that uh, allow them to be uh, seen and tested
2: all right so so a couple of questions on my end you, you mentioned being routed to the the testing center at the fairgrounds there in jackson is this something that works all over the state of mississippi i mean if you live in corinth or you live on the coast or you live in oxford or starkville Do you still download the C Spire Health app and and do your screening
1: through the app? Yes, it, it works anywhere in the state of Mississippi for Mississippians in Mississippi, there's no doubt about that. But uh, sometimes it's not as convenient if you're in extreme north Mississippi or extreme south Mississippi to get to the fairgrounds. But that's why UMMC is looking at, at doing uh, opening up some pop-up sites around the around – the, uh, that's what we call it internally. It's just those sure. are – when I say pop-up sites, that's just reacting to the way the virus is spreading throughout the state and uh uh so that there there are more sites to come but we started with the fairgrounds early this week and that has been a you know it has been a very uh, a very a very efficient process you know the the good thing is that screening occurs because of the uh, functionality of the app and the video conferences set up with the clinician and that way people well i put it like this last night I was watching the news in new york there were long lines of people outside of hospitals trying to get in to get tested. Well, if they had an app there, and I, I don't know if they do or not, but if they if it, if there was an app there that was working there, those people in those long lines could could have been screened before they go stand in these long lines to know uh, whether it's highly likely that they have uh they they have contracted the coronavirus and so that's you know that's what um it's just a whole different scenario and and
2: Hugh I think important to point out I mean you you want everybody to be a C Spire customer but the reality is not everybody is a C Spire customer but this app is available for free to everyone as the primary screaming screening mechanism if you need to be tested through UMMC regardless of who your provider is correct
1: that's exactly right. Uh you know we this was no time to get you know you know you know me and I'm very competitive. This was not one time to be uh clinging to that. We want to help Mississippi first because nobody in the technology world in Mississippi cares about Mississippi like Seaspire. So the right thing to do was to offer it to anyone and everyone who has a smartphone irrespective of their carrier. And it's it's you know we just it was right. and also to offer it for free this is not yeah. a time people have, are being challenged on the economic front just as much today as they are on staying well and healthy so uh, we we decided along with our partners at UMMC on this venture to offer it for free.
2: One last thing for you. You've got about a minute and a half left. The, the C Spire Cares program, that, that's the program through which you have uh, lifted data limits and really tried to work from an educational standpoint. We, we've got people who are trying to figure out how to be teachers and, and deal with online learning really for the rest of the semester, it looks like. What, what's the role that C is playing there?
1: Yeah, one, one key thing that we've done uh, is to whitelist the – uh, websites that students K through 12 are going through, going to the, over this past week, and will be going to over the next few weeks to learn uh, via online learning and the distance learning that's occurring uh, across the spectrum in our, in our schools today. And what whitelisting means is basically those websites are are a- being able to be accessed by the user for free, or it doesn't count against their data uh, allotment. So. That was the right thing to do because there's no way anybody could have known this three weeks ago that they would be taking all their courses for the remainder of the school year to the end of the year. So we just felt like that was the uh, the right thing to do for, to continue to uh, educate our kids here in the uh, in the last few weeks of the school year. And uh, that's I, from all accounts, I think that is going really well from every, everything that I've heard.
2: Yeah, I mean – it may be a little bit of a challenge to parents who are uh, are not used to being teachers or not used to uh, corralling kids throughout the uh, the day. I, I might be speaking from experience there, but uh, uh, otherwise, I think going pretty smoothly. The the job that our teachers across the entire state and administrators are, are doing to uh, basically go from from zero to to sixty in terms of online learning in such a short period of time is is remarkable. It really and, is. Uh, Really appreciate uh, all that C Spire is doing. Appreciate you coming on and spending
1: a few minutes with us this afternoon. Okay. Y'all have a great afternoon.
2: You as well. That's uh, Hugh Mina, president and CEO of C Spire. Uh, We've been telling you about it. C Spire Cares. You can learn more at com slash cares about the C Spire Health app and also all that C Spire is doing uh, from offering free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools that they need to work from home. That's cspire.com. Slash C Spire Cares. We will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you right after this. Be right back. Appreciate QVena joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, C Spire right in the middle of fighting COVID-19 through the C Spire Health app in conjunction with UMMC also uh, in helping uh, students and teachers across the state of Mississippi by uh, getting rid of data limits for educational websites and uh, certainly important to businesses who are trying to continue to uh, operate right now in these difficult and weird and strange and uncertain times. That's where we are right now. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you on this Friday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi, 27th of March. Thanks for being with us. Borky, let's lighten the mood. Let's play a couple of, of, of clips, and then we'll uh, we'll get into the college football fix and try to have some fun in the, uh, the 5 o'clock hour. So earlier we gave you some of the best of the legendary, the fantastic – Keith Jackson. Let's go to Ian Dark.
4: I was hoping you'd get to this one at some point today.
2: Play-by-play announcer extraordinaire, primarily for soccer. The United States game winner against Algeria in the 2010 World Cup. To Guardiola. In place of with a header. Gratefully claims it. Distribution. Brilliant. Landon Donovan. Are things on here for the USA?
4: Can they do it here? Cross. And dead is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. You could not
2: write a script like this. And you hear the Vuvuzelas in the background. That was, what was the score of the that one. The soundtrack.
0: One, Do what? one nil. <laughs> one nothing. One nil. <laughs> How many minutes in? That was like in the they 93rd, were ninety third, I think. Yeah, they, they were in extra time. At that, that was point. stoppage
2: yeah. time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
2: So you got a full hour and a half of no score whatsoever in that one, Rippy.
4: Beautiful. Man, World Cup soccer, it's something else. Because, like, the the play right before, the clip starts uh, with a good shot on goal from Algeria. And and I I remember, so that was right before I moved to college. So I had two World Cups centered around my college experience. So both of them happened uh, while I was at a bar. But I remember everybody in the place, like, every play is anxiety-driven. Like, especially for amateur soccer watchers that don't, like, just a random shot on goal, people get nervous because they're not used to the game. But World Cup soccer is like that on steroids. Just every single time there's a shot on your goal, you get anxiety. I remember the feeling that I had at the start of that clip and at the end. That, that was one of the best days of my sports life. That was so much fun. You
0: really should find the, uh, the Univision call of that as well. Was it good? Oh, it's unbelievable! The Spanish language, Andres Cantor. Yeah, yes. Thank I, I know the
2: Univision is Spanish language. Thank you. I didn't know,
0: man. I don't know what you know about how much you know about this kind of stuff.
2: <laughs> um, Rippy, did you get excited about the 2014 World Cup?
3: Oh, Where okay was that? It was. In Brazil. I watched the World Cup. I won't pretend like I don't. I don't watch any games really but the United States. Where was the twenty when was what was twenty fourteen again? how did the USA do in that? They weren't in it. Yes they were. No, I thought it was tw- I thought it was twenty eighteen. They made it we in fourteen, it. they lost twenty eighteen they?
2: they weren't in it. Fourteen they had a pretty good run, didn't they? Yeah, it? they lost
4: to Belgium two were and they? one to get to the semis. Oh, That's Yeah. Right. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, that was yeah. – so we had back-to-back really good World Cups. Uh, so that game, th- that goal that we just played against Algeria, it, it, we lost uh, in the knockout round to Ghana, of all countries, but made it to the knockout there and then 2014, uh, won a game, uh, had Portugal in extra time. And That's ju- right. And, and, and
0: Ronald- Ronaldo scored, didn't
4: he? Or no, it wasn't Portugal. It was Belgium. Draw? It was Belgium. Right, we played we, Portugal – but it was Belgium that knocked us out. We
0: drew with they drew with with Portugal in the in the group stage that would have given them a better draw, and they should have beaten them. Yeah.
4: Yep. And
0: right uh,
3: for, fourteen was the one where you had Iceland have that ridiculous run. No, that was in the uh, that was in the Euros. No, that
2: that was not World Cup. That was something else.
0: That was in the European Championship where they they won.
2: On the uh, the ceasefire text line, Union Pentecostal Church tells us that this is boring. Almost as boring as golf.
3: Well, it wasn't no, really... No, Iceland a... was the World Cup. No, I wasn't. just looked it up.
2: I mean, they may have won some of the World Cup, but the, the crazy deal where they started doing the the, the skull chant or, or, or whatever, that was not part of the
3: World Cup. It says Iceland's World Cup run has shocked the world. That... Qualified them for it. Oh,
2: nuance, <laughs> Rippy. Got, got to get the nuance.
3: Y'all said it was something else. Y'all said it wasn't the World Cup.
2: It wasn't. It wasn't. It was qualifiers for the World Cup.
3: I'm gonna do some homework on this. Y'all don't know soccer.
2: Bundesliga <laughs> conversation. When we continue, actually, the college football fix is next. We'll be right back. It's
1: hard
2: Well, just after 5 o'clock with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, Friday afternoon, 27th of March. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad. Hope your day is going well. It's been warm. It's going to be, looks like a pretty decent weekend. So we've got that going for us. Uh, Plenty of time to uh, get outside and not hang out with anybody. That's so, uh, kind of how it goes right now. Um, C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire and UMC are partnering to help Mississippi cancel COVID-19 for a limited time. COVID-19 screenings are free through the C Spire Health app for anyone in Mississippi with fever, respiratory issues, or other symptoms of the disease. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. So Rippy, have you ever been to uh the sports grill that he was referring to? Do you know where that is?
3: No, but did he get like were they fishing in Jackson? I don't know. He said they were, fish- he said they were fishing out
0: by Eagle Lake, so I think I have an idea of where he was. But Eagle Lake's not far from Vicksburg.
4: Okay. I
3: got no, never been there. Even
2: for like a gung ho hunting and fishing community you you would think that the basketball tournaments would be on
0: <laughs> if that place is the one that i'm thinking of i'm I'm not surprised that it wasn't on oh really yeah huh
2: time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check out buyfordnow.com. You can find out about what they've got available for you right now at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Obviously, you want to be responsible. Maybe you give them a call. Talk to them about what you're thinking about or what you're looking for. Uh, If you want to kind of check out the cars and trucks and SUVs on the lot, maybe you cruise through after hours and then uh, talk to them a little bit. Lots of ways to be creative and lots of ways for you to save money as Truck Month rolls on at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Uh, I guess the biggest college football story is kind of what we talked about at the beginning of the show today. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet going on uh, an ESPN radio platform yesterday, and he said this, I'll be shocked if we have NFL football this fall. If we have college football, I'll be so surprised if that happens. Just because, from what I understand, people that I listen to, you're 12 to 18 months from a vaccine, a coronavirus vaccine. I don't know how you let these guys go into locker rooms and let stadiums be filled up and how you can play ball. I just don't know how you can do it with the optics of it. Herb Street said if he was the commissioner of the NFL or in charge of the NCAA, he would shut it down As soon as possible. He says, next thing you know, you got a locker room full of guys that are sick, and that's on your watch? I wouldn't want to have that. I I do have a little bit of a problem with that particular part of the quote where you would shut it down as soon as possible. That makes no sense at all. You would use as much time as you've got
4: to see if we can get better. Seriously, it...
3: Doesn't that shed light that he's kind of panicking? Right.
4: We talked about it. Rippy and I talked about it this morning some, but I'm going to choose to be the optimistic one. It's like everybody forgets that right now there are hundreds, probably more like thousands of the smartest people that we can find working day in and day out to try to find a way to stop the spread of this and make it to where we can return our lives to normalcy. There is so much at stake. Lives, health, finances. People are working so hard to figure this out and to just assume that we cannot stop it and that this will go on forever. And unless we quarantine for eight months, this is not going to get better. I choose to be the optimist. And people online will tell you I'm an idiot. But I have a feeling because we've done it before and we have really smart people working on this that we will return to a sense of normalcy at some point hopefully in the very near future but this fear-mongering shut it down right now when the season's five and a half months away is
3: stupid i didn't see herb street's comments and i didn't know that until richard just read that that part of it that doesn't make any sense what what do you, what is the nfl gain or college football game by today march what what day is it again 27th uh just yeah. being like yeah it's over it's done what it would why would that make any practical sense
4: nothing especially if they find a way to stop the spread of it here in let's say 2 months yeah
3: i know it's not likely but let's just say something like um, something obscure happens that you weren't counting on and it happens in like a month and a half or six weeks. Then these postponements in June and July don't look smart. I'm not saying that's going to happen, nor do I believe it. But you don't, there's so much out there that you don't know. What would you gain in postponing until you have to?
2: Well, and, you know, we, we were up in arms. I, I specifically was up in arms about getting rid of the College World Series in July or in June when we were still in early March. As it turns out, we certainly would have gotten to that point because there wasn't going to be a college baseball season. I still don't think that announcement had to happen the day that it happened. It would have happened in fairly short order regardless, though. Um, I I just don't – I'm all for planning ahead, but I don't believe in making huge, like, life-altering decisions before you have to make them. You can be thinking about them, but there's no reason to say, you know what? We need to shut down the college football season. When you're in March, you're six months away or five months away at this point. Now, those five months go by in a hurry. We know that. And we may get to a point where you have to make some of those difficult decisions. So, you know, Herb Street also says, as much as I hate to say it, I think we're scratching the surface of where this thing's going to go. He may be right. And, you know, you've heard some medical experts say, look, right now. New Orleans is the hotspot, or not uh, New Orleans is becoming a hotspot. New York is the hotspot. Two weeks ago, the state of Washington was the hotspot. And you you may see this thing kind of bounce around different cities and at different times, those areas are, are most affected. Look, I mean, if you're talking about canceling stuff, did it make sense to go ahead and postpone slash cancel the PGA Championship that was supposed to happen in May in San Francisco? Yeah. Given what's going on in New York, probably makes sense to go ahead and postpone the U.S. Open that's supposed to happen in June. But to say that college football, NFL, let's shut it down now, eh, that that's awfully short-sighted.
3: So college football, if I have my math right, is roughly 22 weeks away, the opening day, opening weekend, whatever.
2: I'll trust your math.
3: I wouldn't do that, but okay, anyway, roughly around 20 like do you is there a country that's been infected with the coronavirus that's twenty weeks in to anything yet? China, Italy uh, I mean China no.
2: So this this started what mid December in Wuhan province in China? So the answer to that would at- be
3: no. That's right. So what are you right. basing that off of?
4: Fear, mongering, I don't know.
3: I mean, I'm just asking. Like, Is there something I don't know, haven't read, that could be the case? But what are you basing it off of? Nothing.
4: There's like a desire to
3: be miserable. Yes.
2: George in West Point says, Will the world come to an end if there is no football season? We need to be proactive. The coronavirus is a life-altering event. Hopefully a treatment will come through. Uh, May already have. Sorry, football is not the most important thing in the world. Living is. George, you're right. I I completely agree with you.
4: It's not what we're saying, though. But
2: it, it's another facet that has far-reaching effects on the economy, and I'm not just talking about the economy of of universities. I'm not talking about the economic impact on universities. I'm talking about you know a hundred cities across the country that are not per se all cities. Some are, but you got a whole bunch of smaller college towns whose local economies. And I'm not trying to sound like the president here and saying, well, the economy is more important than human life. That's not what I'm saying. But they kind of go hand in hand. Entire small-town local economies coming to a grinding halt for an extended period of time is life-altering. And not having a college football season is a massive impact on those economies. C-spire text line, George ain't an Alabama fan. Yeah.
4: Hey, I've said it before on this show. I do find it so odd to see national big-time sports media people be so condescending towards the idea that people really miss sports and we need them to return to re- bring back a sense of normalcy. I find that so odd. How do you get that far in sports media and not realize that people live for this stuff and they miss it and they don't know what to do without it? I don't get it.
3: Because if you have a blue check mark, it means you're smarter than everyone. I don't make the rules.
2: I was just thinking a second ago. This is kind of apropos of nothing. Is this going to be the most miserable April Fool's Day in the history of April Fool's Day? That's next week. Uh, hey, football's back. Uh, good one. Sport, Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix driven by Ford. Everything seems to be the internet has all kinds of funny things on it. There's a picture of a lady in line to check out at Walmart. And um, you know, she's doing the best she can to practice social distancing. But she was... Um, She needed a mask. So what did she do, Borky? Put on full-on swim goggles and a snorkel. (laughs)
0: Uh, uh, Improvise, overcome, adapt.
2: She is standing in line to check out at the uh, the Walmart self-check line and has on (laughs) big old wide swim goggles and a snorkel.
4: At that point, you probably just don't go to the store.
2: I don't even know what she thinks that accomplishes.
4: Maybe she's just being funny. Maybe nothing can top that uh, news story in Memphis where the dad, when his kid left school, just started spraying him down with Lysol.
2: Yes, you're right about <laughs> that.
4: They cut to the lady wearing trash bags. Hey, we were talking about Major
2: League Baseball earlier, and you know the service time, and maybe they've got a, a working plan for how to go forward with the season. Rippy, there was some interesting stuff that came out last night as part of that agreement as well with regard to the Major League Baseball draft. Did, did you read some of that?
3: Uh, no, I did not. I did see that they're basically limiting it to five rounds, and then if you're unsigned, the max you can sign for is $20,000. This is going to save each club roughly 250 k and you're basically just Throwing all of your issues on the amateur system is that basically what I gathered from it?
2: Yeah, I think that's that's a reasonable way to look at it. So five rounds of the draft is that thirty picks per round, give or take. I mean, you, you got some sandwich picks in there that uh, early or supplemental picks. So let's just call it let's just call it one hundred and seventy-five picks. I mean, you're you're used to having a forty-round draft, and somewhere in the neighborhood of. Twelve to 1,400 picks plus free agent signings that go on in addition to that. This completely changes the dynamic of what the Major League Baseball draft is this year and the effect that it has not only on college baseball but on high school baseball as well. So kind of as an offshoot question to that, are we looking – At next year being the most talent-rich season or one of the most talent-rich seasons we've ever seen in college baseball?
4: Possibly, but sounds like there's a potential of nobody getting their eligibility back. Yeah,
2: so you've got that story out there as well. Kendall Rogers at D1 Baseball tweeted, Uh, this earlier today there's a legitimate chance no one gets a year of eligibility back two power five leagues want no one to get a year back and anyone familiar with the d1 council knows that that could spell trouble so
4: i can tell you who one is off the top of my head
2: well, that's where I was headed next. Let's let's just uh, let's put our sleuth hats on here and try to figure out which two of the Power Five leagues
4: would be against this. It's a, I think it's an easy answer. It's the I league that cares about baseball the least, the Big Ten, and the league that's in the most financial trouble, the Pac twelve. That certainly
2: would be my guess as well. Yeah. yeah. We, we know for a fact that the SEC is for it. I feel pretty confident in saying the ACC is for it. And I think college baseball is a big enough deal in the Big 12 that they are for an additional year of eligibility. But, Borky, you're right. Financial problems all over the place in the Pac-12 and not – a ton of emphasis on college baseball in the Big Ten.
4: I, If that does happen, and, and that's a big if, if that does happen, though, um, I don't want to hear anybody reference amateurism or student-athletes or anything other than it's just a business ever again. Not allowing the players to benefit from their name, image, and likeness has always been hidden behind a veil of, well, they're amateurs, they're student-athletes. It's all about the education. If they don't give these kids their season back, we need to call athletic programs what they are, franchises, because it would be a strictly business financial decision that has nothing to do with kids, and that's what they pretend that college sports is about. It's about the kids, when in reality, it would be a financial decision, and that's all it would be. And so we need to call them franchises from here on out because it's not about amateurism or student athletes or integrity or any of that bs we all know that college sports is big business anyway but if they don't give these kids their year back we need to call them what they really are
2: for the argument of oh we we just can't afford to do it i mean there's some studies out there that an extra year of eligibility for spring sport athletes would cost programs between four hundred and eight hundred thousand, on average. Some it would be less than that. Some it would be more than that. But on average, between four and eight hundred thousand dollars.
4: That is nothing to a Big Ten school. Nothing. Hey, I just what? I just got a text from what
0: we'll call an unnamed source. Big Ten and the ACC, he says, are the two conferences oh, that are against it.
2: The ACC is against it.
0: Interesting. That's what he says.
2: At least we got one right. So the Pac-12, not standing in the way of the, Why on earth would the ACC be against this? Money, because they don't make money off baseball. Yeah, but you've got some big-time baseball schools in the ACC.
0: But that's not what it's about. I don't understand why, you know... Once again, this should just be one of those things where... I think I said this yesterday. Just make it available, and if you don't want to take advantage of it, you don't take advantage of it. That's your choice. You don't want to spend that money, you don't want to you don't want to deal with that. That's fine, but the te- the, the schools that want to do it should be able to. The, the, the part for But me, I guess it's the, the same sort of thing with the with the, you know, the third assistant. There are plenty of schools that could afford to pay a third assistant for baseball and softball, but they're being held hostage by the schools that don't want to.
2: It's a good point. I, I You know, what I was thinking a second ago when I am all for a free market, for, for capitalism running wild. I do not have an issue. I, I, I've got no issue with coaches, football coaches, making $4, 5 6 $8, 10000000 million a year. Got no problem with John Calipari being the highest paid basketball coach in America. Got no problem with Lane Kiffin making $4 million a year and Mike Leach making $4, 4500000 a year. Good. Congratulations. I'm, I'm happy for those assistant coaches that are on multi-year contracts that pay them seven figures. I am for it. No problem with it. But when you say, we're going to pay our fill-in-the-sport coach 2 to $9 million a year, but in a year where we had a global pandemic that caused the shutdown of spring sports... We can't afford to spend half a million dollars on the cost of giving one year of eligibility to seniors only. We've gone from, let's give everybody an extra year of eligibility, and let's explore the idea of whether winter sports that were affected, including college men's and women's basketball and gymnastics... We've gone from exploring the idea of whether or not we should give an extra year of eligibility to those players to we might not give even seniors an extra year of eligibility that missed the final two thirds to three quarters of the spring sports seasons.
0: And let's let's not be uh, let's not forget what when it comes to scholarship money, it's not actual real money. And what I mean by that is this. It just goes from one university bank account to another. It's all getting paid, and it's getting paid by and paid to the same people. So it's like me saying, you know, I have $5 in this hand, but I don't have $5 in the other hand, so I don't have $5. The university, all of these universities, could just give these kids another, you know, year of eligibility. and It doesn't really cost
4: anything in real dollars.
2: Yeah, but it's still
4: money... You mentioned the football coach aspect. If it is, in fact, the ACC that that would be saying no to this, they just had a member institution pay a football coach $9 million to not coach for them anymore. Or $19 million to not coach for them anymore. A going away present. Who are you talking about? Willie Taggart. Yeah.
2: You're right. So, so again, I, I got no problem with coaches being paid. I got no problem with what schools charge for tickets and for luxury seats and all of those things. I, I'm good with all of it. But if you're spending so much on those things that you can't afford half a million dollars, I'm not talking about a school that's got a $20 million athletic budget. I'm talking about a school that's got an $85 million athletics budget. Then we got a problem. The
3: rumors and the stories of my past I can On sports Talk Mississippi
2: Streaming at SuperTalk.fm Less than half an hour left with you on this Friday afternoon as we roll into the weekend. Had a bunch of fun yesterday playing some clips from some old classic sports moments for you yesterday. Let's do some of that as well as we uh, wrap things up on this Friday afternoon. Borky, let's uh, let's go to a little Brent Musburger Oh, oh, sorry. In this situation, if they roll him, I have seen him come out for a huge first down up in Madison, Wisconsin. They're going to put him up under this center, though. They're going to show the eye back behind the fullback here And fourth down. Could be up to the offensive line. No, Prince is going to throw for it. Got to get it off. Buckeye. You hear that crowd, by the way? Yes.
4: That's a road game.
2: A lot of Ohio State fans. Where yeah. were they?
4: Uh, that's at Purdue. Was, uh, when they won the national championship uh, in 2002, uh, you remember the year where they got the obviously not a pass interference, pass interference call in the national championship game? It was that season. Fourth and one, they are down three, I think, with um, just over a minute left in the ball game. Mm. Jim Tressel, right? Jim Tressel, yeah. Um, Craig Krenzel, who became some kind of like neurosurgeon after college.
2: Good for him. You
4: remember the uh,
2: the Texas Texas Tech game? It was in Lubbock. And hey, Dad, w- would you say that was Mike Le- the the biggest win of Mike Leach's career?
0: It's it's got to be right. I mean, I I, I would think so. Yeah, because I mean, Texas Tech was were they number one in the nation the next week, or they were at least in the top five.
2: They got to number one that year.
0: Okay, and they lost Oklahoma the next week.
2: The uh, the biggest play they had, in... one...
3: Sorry, they had one loss going in that Cotton Bowl against Ole Miss, right? Yeah, it was. They had lost Oklahoma the week after they beat Texas.
2: Had it all set up and then could not finish the deal. But the play that stands out from that Texas Tech win against Texas, Brent Musburger on the call. Here's Michael Crabtree.
4: Second down now.
2: Deep strike. Got the big man. Crabtree Cold free. And touchdown, Red Raiders. with a second to go. Only a second left in the game, and that was a
4: man's touchdown. Can't believe he didn't work out at the next level. I mean he was okay, but I, I thought he was best receiver to ever live type talent. Hm. I mean, you remember how dominant he was, don't you? Yeah. Yes. A- absolutely. He was
2: spectacular. I don't know that I would have him in best receiver to ever live
4: conversation. But he was really, really special. He, in his NFL career, pretty long one, uh, only had 2,000-yard seasons, one of which was 1,003 yards, and the other one was 1,100 yards. Hmm. That's it. Never played with a great passer, though, did he? He was in San Francisco from 9 to 14, then Oakland 15, 16, and 17, Baltimore in 18, and uh, was either injured or what? Only played two games in Arizona last year. So he was in San Francisco when Kaepernick was the quarterback. Yes, he was. Yeah. he's
3: on that Super Bowl team. Right. Let's bring it he a was little... also on that, that team where Richard Sherman lost his mind to Aaron Andrews in the post-game interview. That was a playoff yeah. game, was it not? I don't know if that was a playoff game
0: or not, but I remember that. I remember what you're talking about.
2: I don't remember the specifics of that post-game interview.
3: Uh, Don't ever try me with the sorry receiver like Crabtree.
2: Oh, yeah. I got you. I do remember that now.
3: He's got some kind of divisional hat on or something. That's why I thought it was a playoff game. All right, you might be right then. I, I, I don't remember exactly.
2: Uncle Vern, let's go to Vern on his perch at the tower at 16 at Augusta.
1: And uh, he's picked out a landing spot that is a good 25 feet above the hole. There's a good chance he doesn't get this inside the Marco's ball.
2: great Vern lundquist to me there are a couple of things about that call that, that stand out one w- w- when he just stops and you're waiting on tiger to hit it there, there's no reason to talk there's no reason to set it up everybody's watching the exact same thing and what do you hear silence sans a chirp 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 just a little bird chirping
4: in the background conspiracy theorists will tell you that that is piped in yeah. bird
3: sounds by augusta no, it's know. just a robot with a battery. You're about
0: to say conspiracy theorists will tell you there's no such thing as birds. At Augusta? No, in the world.
4: We need to send you a video at the break where a guy trolls a, a local Memphis news station with his theory that birds aren't real. He put up billboards. Yeah, he put up billboards around Memphis, and they put them on TV, and they thought that he was joking or like, so what's the real reason? Like, are you an activist or something? He goes, no, I don't think birds are real. <laughs> and they don't yeah, know so how I'm... to conduct the interview because they thought it was a joke. Didn't you have the feeling,
2: listening to Vern on that just a second ago, that for that moment he was just a fan like all of us?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just the sitting there on moments. that
2: part, and he goes, all right, here he goes. Oh, my goodness. And then you get the long pause and until and, and he, he goes, oh, wow. That's when the ball is hanging on the lip for what seems like an eternity, and then it falls in. And then, of course, the
4: in-your-life to follow. Is that the most iconic shot in the sports history?
2: Hmm. Jack's putt at 86 at Augusta was up there. You know, there aren't that many, uh, unless you're just like crazy, crazy golf fan, there aren't that many shots or moments that just stand out. You can say Jack's putt in 86 at Augusta, you know exactly what you're talking about. Um, It's also Vern, right? Maybe. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. Um,
3: But, I mean, not to get too deep into it, but you do have Ben Hogan that has, like, a plaque in the middle of a golf course where he hit a one-iron. Was that Marion? believe so. Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, what, Corey Pavin's five-wood? I mean, people talk about that shot still. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I need more Vern, though. How about Vern, the kick six? This is actually the radio call. Oh, Rod Bramblett? Yes, sir. Well, Our good friend, the late Rod Bramblett, and run it out. All right, here we go. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10. 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45.
5: There goes Davis. Oh my god! Davis is gonna run it all the way back. Auburn's gonna win the football game! Auburn's gonna win the football game! He ran the miss field goal back! He ran it back 109 yards! They're not gonna keep him off the field tonight! Holy cow! Oh my god! Auburn wins! Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl in the most unbelievable fashion you will ever see. I cannot believe it. 34-28. And we
4: thought a
2: miracle at Jordan. Rod. And that was only a couple of weeks removed from the answered prayer. Jordan, uh, Jordan Hare.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? The uh, the tip ball. Against Georgia. What a magical season that was for the Auburn Tigers. And just pure ecstasy in the voice of Rod Bramlett.